Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 74 of the Reinventure Me podcast. Are you getting the encouragement you'd like to have at work? Well, if not, maybe you can make the difference. We're going to talk about how to create a culture of encouragement in this episode of Reinventure Me. Thanks for joining us. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Episode 74 of the Reinventure Me podcast. I'm Larry Gates, your co-host, along with Armin Asadi. Hello, Armin Asadi. That's right. Not Asadi. <laughs> Let's just keep reminding people that someday think, it'll stick. I think you actually remind people of that more often than I do. In oh. fact, I thought it was pretty funny when you said it the first time around. I hadn't even thought of that. But. <laughs> well, just hang around me laughing. <laughs> And well, you'll hear it long and hard every day. Uh, you get that from a lot of people, do you? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, it was never quite for you what it was for me growing up with a name <laughs> spelled oh. L-E-A-R-Y. Leary. So, Leary, exactly. Right? Yeah, <laughs> You're yeah. a little bit Leary. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I discovered well, I my name was spelled that way. Have I told oh, you this story? Oh, there's a reason behind it? Yes, there is a reason I behind it. I didn't even it. know about this. Well, apparently my... <laughs> I don't think my mom and dad ever got along because when I was born, I mean, they agreed on the name. They didn't agree on the spelling. The nurse had written down the traditional spelling, L-A-R-Y, and my dad had her change it. No one knew why until my charming wife, when I was in my 30s, yeah. coaxed it out of my dad. I had asked my dad my entire life why my name was spelled the way it was, and yeah. he wouldn't, wouldn't tell me. Yeah, But Anna... She sidles up and somehow charms. She got it out of him. She got it out of him. (laughs) So my dad was in the second wave of the Normandy invasion. Oh, wow. And one of his comrades that perished on the battlefield over there, his name was Leary, L-E-A-R-Y. Now, I don't know if that was last name or first name, but anyway, I was given that spelling as a namesake for one of his comrades who died. It's a Gaelic... um, Wow. Irish Gaelic thing. So I, that would have been nice to have known that, you know, when yeah. I was a It's lot a powerful younger. story. It's, it a is good... a, it's a good story. It's a rich story. Until I learned that, I didn't really embrace it. I always kind of resisted it. In fact, I've thought about having my name changed quite a few times. But... I'm sure it aggravates you every time somebody calls you Leary. Well, as much as it might when somebody <laughs> calls you Armin, Armin Asselday. Hey, Armin right? Asselday. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because when I saw your name, when your son was first introducing me to you, I saw your name on there. I was like... Leary, what kind of name is that that yeah. your dad has? He goes, look, exactly. dude, when I introduce you to him, don't ever call him Leary. <laughs> is that what he says? That's a serious thing. Oh, really? I was like, oh, okay. Larry, Larry? He's yeah. like, yes, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is, it is Larry, and, and I have a, a number of people that say Leary, and I, it doesn't really bother me too much. 
my mom used to, because she was Austrian, she used to say Letty, you know, so it wasn't really clear exactly what she was saying. It was a little bit of a combination of Close both, enough, I think. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, whatever it takes. But, you know, this is kind of a strange introduction, but maybe we can segue it in because this is the podcast about what's next in life. You want to reinvent yourself, maybe even reinvent your name. Your name, You yeah. know, this is, maybe we should have an episode on names and the power of names. And uh, certainly that'd be something that'd be fun to talk about. But in this episode, we want to cover a little bit of a different ground here. We want to talk about how to create a culture of encouragement. Yeah, like telling people their names are cool. <laughs> you just played right into that one, didn't you? <laughs> Swap your names. <laughs> I'm Swap okay your spellings. That. I'm okay with that. Larry would be easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sure would be. Well, we should kick off with an Inspire Me as we normally do. I mean, what do you got teed up for us? It's what you got teed up because I haven't even heard this until you showed this to me. But... All right. What did I tee up for you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take credit for it, though. It's uh, by an author named William Arthur Ward. Apparently, he is one of America's most quoted writers of inspirational maxims, but I've never heard of him, so nothing out of the ordinary for me. He <laughs> says, flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. Isn't that good? Woo! That's so good. I right. love that. Right. Yeah, it's like a Maya Angelou. Yeah. How do you say her last My name? My Angelou. I, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, I think you did a great job Thank saying you, that. Thank you, Larry. You're <laughs> part, a great encourager. <laughs> because I'm so ignorant myself, you you took the risk and did it. That's an awesome quote. I love it. I like being around people who are encouraging. How about yeah, you? I do too, yeah. I have a friend of mine who I get together with, and especially when I'm feeling a little discouraged. He's the kind of guy that just really enters into where you're at. Yeah. And I tell you, he's got the gift of encouragement. I yeah. Mean, he just, it really is a gift. Oh. People think that's a, you know, just some cruddy compliment. No, it's a real thing. It's yeah. Like, and I believe you can cultivate it, you know, yeah. but he is just one of those guys where you go, oh, is our time up really? Because I wanted some more. Of <laughs> what that. a great way to end a meeting. Yeah. That's so encouraging. I'm actually going to use and abuse that now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, wow. I, I love getting together with him. And there's another guy that I have known quite a bit, and he's always very positive. You know, we're going to talk about optimism in our next show. But yeah. this guy's always so positive that you just want to be around him because you feel a little better about things. Specifically about yourself. Yeah. But, you know, I got to thinking about this, and this is, you know, you and I had talked about doing an episode on this, and we can all get in cultures, whether it's in our job or in our churches mm. or in school or wherever. Sure, yeah. Where it just seems to be bereft of encouragement. You know, you go, you might do something and like nobody notices. <laughs> Words don't come very easy. And you can almost see some of these cultures, some places of employment or wherever, mm -hmm. where it's so stifled. There's so much focus on task and not on relationship or on outcome that people are doing. Or but anything meaningful. Or anything meaningful, right. And there's very little attention paid to how people are actually improving their performance because they're feeling good about what they're doing. Yeah. And it's stifling. It really is. So I got to thinking about that and really doing some journaling around that, just wondering, you know, what difference could somebody make mm -hmm. in upheaving their culture of encouragement and in terms of creating a culture of encouragement, right? Yeah. So the big question really I was wondering about is what if we could reinvent this is the Reinventure Me podcast, after all. What if we could be the catalyst for that kind of organizational change? What if our lives could make a difference in the jobs that we're in, mm -hmm. such that when we leave, we've left it better than we found it because other people are encouraged yeah. more so because of what we brought to the table? 
Yeah. This topic is a lot more powerful than people actually give this subject matter that we're going to cover enough credit for or give enough attention to. Mm-hmm. This literally can change the way you feel about yourself, the way you feel and view others, the way that you feel about your environment, your job environment or work environment, I mean, mm-hmm. ministry environment, whatever it is. A lot of times people don't like the positions that they're in or the jobs that they have because they don't like the culture. But a lot of people look for others to change the culture. Another what yeah. if question is, what if you could change it? Yeah, yeah, right. And you got that line, you know, that old line that says it's hard to soar with eagles when you work with turkeys. Right. You know? Yes. And I think it's so often easy to just go, these people are really a downer. And I've talked to so many people who've been in job situations where it's vile. I mean, it's toxic. And there are definitely toxic environments. But what if you could start and make a change there? What if you saw your mission, like you said, Mm -hmm. as to be the agent of change? Yeah. And I'm not sure that you need to be the top dog to do it. Well, actually, to bounce off that, I would Mm -hmm. say it's easier when you're not the top dog. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds weird or counterintuitive, but I think there's a certain expectation on the leader to do certain things where everybody thinks he's doing it because that's his responsibility. Mm -hmm. But when you're the person, you don't hold that responsibility. You just act that way. You behave that way. And it gets you influence. I think you become a change catalyst because people think... I want to be more like that person yes. but in my own way. Yeah. In fact, if you're in an environment where there's an oppressive leader, yeah. you're the model of encouragement. You're going to stand out. Absolutely. And you, there's a lot of cleanup to do. I mean, there's a lot of people that can use the encouragement. And if you're in the chair with them, in other words, if you're one of their peers, mm-hmm. right, it's going to be more meaningful because you're in the same toxic culture that they're in. Yeah. And yet, can you stand in the gap and look at it in such a way that you go, well, these are people that need encouragement just every bit as much as I do. Yeah. And that's the hard part. I think that's the challenge that you just articulated a minute ago is, can we do this when we're in it? Yeah. Because we're needing it. I mean, we all need encouragement. Oh, and if you're in an environment that's really stressful and one where you're not getting much feedback or not getting any positive accolades or anything that would say, hey, right. you're doing good here, it's really hard to turn that around and give it when you're not receiving it. Yeah. Okay. Last thing, and then we can keep moving on. I would say this, feel free to argue me, Larry, on this, but I believe, especially in a work environment, influence is ridiculous amount of power. And I don't mean in a negative way, Mm -mm. but if you can garner influence in any environment that you're in, even if it's ministry, nonprofit, for-profit, whatever it is, if you can have influence within an organization, that's true power, right? You can influence more people from a position that's lower than a specific leader or senior vice president. And this this right here, this topic right here, if you can hone in on your ability to encourage, this could be a powerful tool for you to be able to garner influence regardless of where you work. And that in itself is even a more powerful tool to get you where you want to get. Encouragement can create influence and influence can create opportunities that you couldn't create on your own. Yes, exactly. And you remember a couple of episodes ago, we did the episode on how to fix a first impression or how to create a a bad first impression. I was talking to somebody recently about that. And one of the comments that he made, and this is really to amplify your point, one of the comments he made is, I don't know that I need to care about first impressions here. I'm kind of at that age. I don't really care what people think of me. You know, (laughs) I'm a lost cause. Why should I spend the time? correcting a bad first impression. Why should I care? 
Yeah. That's their problem. Yeah. You know, that was his response to me. And I said, well, I think you should care. And he looked at me and it's like, I think you should care what people think about you. And he's like, why? I mean, why should I care what people think about me? And I said, because that's how you get influence. Yeah. If people write you off because they don't want to associate with you or they formed an opinion about you that isn't genuine with who you are and what you want it to be, yeah. you lose the ability to lead. Yeah. You lose the ability to be winsome. You lose the ability to have your influence and have your ideas accepted. Right. And it's not like you should be a chameleon. Or a people pleaser. Or a people pleaser. You know, you don't change what you think about yourself depending on who you're talking to, but you do or should, I think, care right. that you're coming across in the way that you intend to in an authentic way because you want to gain that influence that you're just talking about. Right. The goal should just be to respect other people and honor other people, you know, mm -hmm. and if you can just carry those two things with you, I don't think it's hard to make a good first impression. Yeah. You know? Well, let me ask you this, because I think this is where our audience needs to think about when they think about encouragement. What does encouragement look like to you, Armin? So when you have been encouraged, what has that looked like for you? Talk about a sure. time when you've been encouraged and that meant a lot. What was the features of that encouragement? If you okay. I'll tell you an interesting story. So I'm not an optimistic person. That's not how my brain functions. I have no reasonings for it. I'm sure I come up with excuses. <laughs> I'm more of a pessimist than I am an optimist by far. I mean, it's, it's night and day. You surprised me with that a little bit. No, I really am. So working at wherever I was working at the time, I had a leader that came up to me and he says, you know, I mean, smile on his face. And I love this, right? It was conflict. He, was, he actually had conflict with me. Yeah, and he was the executive leader of the organization. He says, I mean, you know what's interesting about you? He laid out a bunch of compliments about like my ability, my blah, 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 whatever, like just made me feel good. Mm -hmm. And he says, but every time it comes to you, you start out with the negative. And I was like, what? What do you mean I start with the negative? And then he laid out some examples of how I always start with like what's going wrong or I don't even remember the full conversation. Mm -hmm. But I remember the way he carried that conversation was he sat there and said, Armin, he, he used the thing that he wanted me to change to point out a strength in me. He said, Armin, you know why you start with those? Is you're a problem solver. Mm -hmm. You identify problems and you solve them. Mm -hmm. You're never complacent. Right. You're always trying to make us better. Yep. So I don't find it a bad thing. I love that about you and that's why you're here because yeah. you always solve the problems before I ever even find out about them. Mm -hmm. But in the meeting, blah, 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 blah. And then he had a corrective conversation with me about how to carry myself in the, within the meeting, start with the positive, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Even though he was correcting me, it was one of the most encouraging meetings I had. Yeah, because he entered into who you were and yeah. what you were aspiring to to live for and right? so wanted to become. Yeah. It, it should have been a bad meeting. Like I should have walked away like, oh no, I'm a negative person. But I walked away thinking I'm the man. Yeah. I realized that I had at one time in my life, I had this drive. I think we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes. I had this drive of being intelligent. You remember that yeah. the whole conversation? Yeah, we had? Yeah, yeah. I needed to prove that I was smart, right? <laughs> and so, you know, at that time in my life, I think if somebody said, oh, you're really smart, I probably would have discounted them, yeah. but I, maybe inside I would have said, okay, maybe I'm making some progress and I'd be a little <laughs> encouraged. But honestly, I've had people tell me that they think I'm smart and it means nothing to me. You are smart. Well, so. okay. <laughs> but it doesn't. But I had somebody tell me that I inspired them in some way. Yeah. That really encouraged me. And they yeah. were very specific about it and how and what I did that did that. And I'm like, wow, that really made a difference. And I noticed that my own, what encouraged me shifted over time because my values had changed. Mm -hmm. What I was trying to prove in my earlier life about being smart, 
is not what I'm trying to prove today. You know, you, you so, know why that makes sense to me? How's that? Is your intelligence is so intimidating. <laughs> it is. I'm serious. I'm intimidated by it. That's why I think you like the fact that somebody tells you that you inspire them because it makes them oh, feel like I'm more accessible. Yeah. Okay. That's probably I don't know. I'm maybe I'm just analyzing it, oh. but yeah, I it makes sense. If you saw the confusion inside of my head, I you'd be disputed of any <laughs> notion of any intellect here. I often joke about Anna, I say that Anna carries my one brain cell most of the time. You know? I just I, I leave it over with her so it can get incubated and nurtured and I borrow it back whenever I need it. Well, she's the outlier anyway. You can't compare to that one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about encouragement. Because while we did say that encouragement is a gift, I think it's also something that, that is honed well by those who practice it well. Yes. And it's something that if we want to step into a culture and try to change it and shape it and even be more of an encouraging person ourselves, we need to think about what is, if we had the anatomy of a good encouragement episode or a good time of encouragement or a good a way to encourage, what would that anatomy look like? And it seems to me like we have to have kind of three things that are that are important for you to encourage well, right? The first, really, it has to resonate, right? Yeah. Encouragement, like you described with the words that were given to you, had some resonance with you. And I think there needs to be resonance in three areas. And I think your illustration that you gave was perfect in this. Because oh, the first one is experience, right? So it needs to resonate in experience. In other words, the person who's encouraging you, like this guy that came to you, did so because you shared a common experience. Yeah. And he related what you did or how you are working mm -hmm. affects him. He yeah. was witness to it. Right? It's not just this flyby. When somebody you don't know real well compliments you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's one of the funny things about LinkedIn. Have you noticed? You get these <laughs> people who endorse you for certain skills. It makes your day. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, no. Listen, I, I find it kind of humorous because oh, I get about the little endorsement, yeah, little plus sign. Yeah. The, oh. For the particular skill and the number of people that endorse me for skills that don't even really know me. Yeah. Uh, I thought not, you're talking about like the post that we got today. No, 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 oh. no, 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 no. When people say, oh, Larry's good at business strategy or whatever. Yeah, it's a like, little plus sign. And we've hit. never worked together. There's right. no reason why. That's it's completely made up. It's it's false encouragement right? because there's no connection. There's no personal connection. So totally. you have to, in order for encouragement to work well, it has to be born out of shared experience. And so you got to resonate in an experience together. Yeah. That's what makes it genuine. Yeah. That's when you're in the foxhole with somebody in some way and they say something to you. It's so much more meaningful. Yeah. It's so true. It's right. so true. Right. The other thing then is it needs to resonate in mood. In other words, you've yes. got to share the mood with you. So it wouldn't, be good the way this guy approached you matched where you were at yes he wasn't slamming at you and and then leaving dumping and running yeah he was working with you pacing at the pace that you were able to take in the information and the dialogue about it he wasn't i'm guessing yes he wasn't hurried no <laughs> you know you were having a, a back and forth right yeah he was laid back yeah it was and a very positive I got corrected, but it was very positive. And I've always found that when I'm encouraged the most, it's when people have taken the time. To, it's not a hit and run encouragement. You know, it's they've taken the time to align with me and to know where where I'm at and just to do that. I know that there was one time <laughs> this guy that I know quite well, he's always quick to find something positive to say in someone else. But sometimes he does it at the worst times. <laughs> and we were golfing together one time, and, and I hit a terrible golf shot. I mean, it was 
really, really bad. And <laughs> there was no way I was going to find the golf ball. And it was the kind of shot I'm used to making. It was unseasonably bad. And I'm not a great golfer to begin with. <laughs> that bad. But I wasn't, yeah, I, I wasn't very happy about the shot. And he says, he says to me, well, Larry, you, it was a really good looking swing. <laughs> <laughs> I just about took the club <laughs> and swung it around his neck. You know, it's like that wasn't a well-timed word. You know, it was like you cannot make lemonade out of those lemons and and have it be meaningful. You know, so he wasn't really matching my mood there, right. and and for me, it kind of failed to encourage me. I think he was trying too hard. Lastly, the third thing I think we need to resonate when we're thinking of encouraging somebody is in their values and purposes. And this is exactly what yes. your your friend did for you. Right on. Is he pointed out how you like to solve problems. That's something that's important to you. And he pointed out how you could even be better at that. That was the corrective part, right? He was tapping in to what's important to you and where you wanted to go and what your values were. And so if we're going to encourage people and do it intentionally, we need to remember those three things. We need to share something of our own experience with them mm -hmm. that can identify with. We need to match the mood and the pace so it's not a hit and run yeah. and it's done in the same kind of, you know, if they're discouraged, we don't go in with a you know, really smiley, happy. How do you like it when somebody comes along and says, cheer up, everything's going to be good. Right. You know, your best encouragement is when somebody matches your tempo and your mood. Right. And then the third is when you can align that encouragement to their future, their purposes and the things that they find important. Yeah. If I could just make a point to the mood, matching the mood. One of the things I learned in some of the seminary classes I took was one of the old Jewish traditions was when somebody passed away, friends of that family or of that individual would go to that person's house and nobody would speak a word yeah. until the person who's mourning would say something. Mm -hmm. And the way that they would encourage this mourning person or this grieving person who just lost their wife, their whatever, was simply their presence. Mm -hmm. It was not their words. It was mm -hmm. not their gifts. Mm -hmm. It was not any condolences. It was literally, we're just going to sit here with you. Yeah. And it was the greatest form of encouragement and honor mm -hmm. that you could show someone who had just taken a loss. Yeah. So to the point that you're making and matching the mood, I don't want to breeze that over that one. Because oh, that's good. In certain cultures, encouragement has nothing to do with words. And that's an example that I just came across or just thought of now is that is just simply being present in a moment of loss. Yeah. And uh, when God did speak to Job, it's like, who are these people that are darkening my counsel? You right. Know, it was the many words and, yeah. you know, hope, hopefully we don't have Job's friends when we come into dark times, yeah. but you are absolutely right. Just sometimes, and it's really hard for somebody to realize that that's encouragement. Sometimes it's encouraging just to be with somebody just be present. Uh, when they're, yeah, just to be there right. because they don't, they feel alone in failure or alone in loss. Right. And just to be around Absolutely. Is, can be a great encouragement. We're going to talk a little bit more about how to encourage, but let's talk about how we create a culture of encouragement right where you work. How would we actually go put this in place? So yeah. I think we can start with, with this is, you know, Mother Teresa had once said, if you can't feed a hundred, feed one. Mm, so good. just think about one person in your work environment or in your church environment or your school environment or wherever you might find needs a dose of your encouragement and cultural adjustment there. Find one person that you can think of and start noticing them. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the book by Mike Mason that says practicing the presence of people. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just this idea of creating sensitivity wow. around who is around, yeah. noticing them. Awareness. Awareness. <laughs> you know? And it won't take long, but when you condition yourself and say, you know what, this week I'm going to be aware of Tom, and I'm just going to kind of just be more sensitive to what's going on in Tom's life yeah. and his world. It won't take long for you to find an opportunity where he might need some praise or find a time when maybe he's a little discouraged because he's feeling like things are not going well or he's not able to keep up with his demands or maybe the boss just reamed him a new one. Yeah. <laughs> and you could come alongside and do a little cleanup and remind him it, it isn't quite what it appears to be. Yeah. You know, so start with one. Yeah, I love that. I, I think anytime that we can simplify something that we're trying to do, whether you're trying to change an entire culture that you're working in, it doesn't have to say, how do I affect the 10,000 people I work with? It can start out with something as simple as Billy in the cubicle over. Exactly. It's a, I love that advice. All right. So other thing I would add to that is think about what kind of encouragement could be helpful to the person that you're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. So back mm -hmm. to the point that we were just making in terms of matching the mood, we're right. saying, hey, you know, if someone is grieving the loss of someone, the last thing you need to tell them is really anything. Mm -hmm. That you, you can't you can't fix that situation. Mm -hmm. There's you know what I'm saying? So right. sometimes in that situation you ask what kind of encouragement is going to be helpful to them. It's probably just not saying anything, shutting up and just being present, kind of to the point that you were just making. So Asking yourself that question and saying so that you're not going towards, here's what's a terrible form of encouragement, cookie cutter encouragement, oh, right? Yeah. Where you just, every person you see, hey man, great hair, great shoes, great shirt, or hey, looking good today. Yep. Hey man, looking snazzy. Like, you know yep. what I'm saying? Hey sport, hey champ, all, yep. all that stuff. It's like, shut up. It's not encouraging to me. Mm -hmm. You didn't win me over. Mm -hmm. It's too general. Yeah, too good vague. job doesn't really do it. Yeah, good job, good job. Well, yeah, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> so think about what would be helpful to them. So whether it's just being present, whether that's, you know, maybe just, maybe it's just pulling them aside and saying that you appreciate them. Yes. And it's not saying, hey, they did good at anything. It's just saying, hey, I really appreciate you. You know, one of the things that I've experienced uh, w with some friends who've encouraged me richly has been to do, you know, we talked in one of the earlier episodes, an unexpected gift and an unexpected time, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in what these people have done that have meant a lot to me, and in fact, I think you might even see something on my wall over here where they have written me a note. Yeah. I mean, out of the blue, there's no prompting for it. It isn't because I did something for them. It's not a thank you note. It's because I was on your mind note. Yes. And that's a wonderful thing. You think about somebody that you can start with, maybe just write them a note sometime because it's an unusual way to convey a message. Yeah. The nice thing about it is it lingers. They can read it yeah. again and again. Whereas if you say something, okay, it's appreciated at the moment, but it doesn't remain. Yeah. I'll share one story just to amplify your point now. Working at a church, met with a person who was in the church that was extremely difficult to work with for everybody. Sat down with them, had a very direct conversation. I asked them, why are you so difficult to work with? Right? And difficult conversation, mm -hmm. left it thinking, man, that maybe didn't go well. Got a note next day. All it said was, thank you for your leadership. That's all I needed. Wow. Most encouraging note I had for several months. Yeah. You know, he was a difficult guy, but that note made the world to me. Yeah. In the world of social media and Facebook and email, yeah, good old handwritten note is an amazing, <laughs> amazing thing right now. What other ideas do you have? For kind you of know, extending social connections. So some, you meet someone, you talk to them, you see them like a, 
you meet a crazy entrepreneur like me who's trying to make it in the business that they're doing. And yeah. you see that, hey, these guys are really capable of doing this. They mean it. A great encouragement could be, hey, I have a friend for you. I'd love to connect you. Yeah. You know, that can help and you be successful. Be, especially because it says that you're thinking about what's important to them. Yep. Or, you know, you're on my mind. Hey, I want to encourage you with that. That's great. Yep. Anyway, so, I mean, what else do you, do you have? I think another thing is kind of a special case here because a lot of encouragement needs to come when somebody's experienced a personal failure of some kind. Right. And it might be a loss like you were talking about before, which is a which is a very critical special case. And I'm, th- I'm thinking more something a little bit more benign yeah. than a loss of a loved one or something. But after some kind of failure, it really helps if you think about their degree of competence. Yeah. If you think about their degree of competence. Mm-hmm. I read some research recently that that really made me think differently about this than I had thought about before. If you are talking to somebody who is already pretty much competent in an area, they know how to do what they're doing. They're kind of experts in it. Yeah. But they've risked something and they've they've not quite got it right or or they you know so they feel discouraged about it. When you're talking to an expert, what they want to hear are specifics about what they can do to make things better. Maybe there's some observations that you had that you can come in and come alongside of them and mm-hmm. help them get better, just as your friend did for you. Yes. Right? Yes. And he came in and said, you're a prover. This is what you do. This is what you're really good at. That's your competency. Let me show you how you can make that even stronger. Yeah. Right? And you grabbed a hold of that. Oh, totally. Even though... Even though you didn't do it as well as you could have. Yeah. You appreciated the fact that he gave you some anchor points on how to get better. So yep. when people are competent in an area, you know, if you want to encourage somebody, think about their level of competence in the area they may have failed in. If mm-hmm. they're if they're competent in the area, what they're looking for and what's encouraging to them is diagnostics. Yeah. Getting somebody that so can true. help them think through something mm-hmm. and what might have gone wrong because their goal, generally speaking, is to get better at their area of, of expertise. That's right. Now, but a novice is different. Yeah. If a novice fails, you don't go in with the you know 15 things you need to do in order to get better. It's kind of like trying to teach somebody who's never golfed before yeah. all the golf swing things. Right? Yeah. Keep your head down, your left arm straight. Your you know make sure your wrist rolls right. over, your knees are bent. You yeah. know your body twists. You know all that stuff. You could never keep that in no. your head at one time. It's no. too much. Right. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And then what? they are looking for is confidence. Yeah. So instead of focusing on all the things that they can do, yeah. focus on what they did well. Yes. You know, so you, you you want what you want to do for a novice is build up their confidence by focusing on what they did. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to encourage an expert, it's best to help them look at what they could improve upon, right. helping them with some diagnostics. Which is a totally different approach cuz I normally would just, you know, kind of focus on on one thing, you know, yes. it's like Hey, that was good. You know, yes. I'd always focus on the things somebody did good. Yeah. But for an expert, it's like, yeah, I'm used to doing that level of competence. What yeah. I don't know how to do is get across that last piece. Right. And that's where that's where that can be. That's really- a great point. It's so true, though. It's so true. When I when I'm new at anything, the last thing I want to hear is somebody tell me where I failed. Right. St- tell me the one good thing I did so I can have the confidence to keep going at least. Yeah. And of course, in the work situation, you might come to a point where you're, it's your boss that needs encouragement, you know, because yeah. you've seen them fall flat on your face. Yeah, this is a tricky one. Yeah. And it is harder. And I would just point us back to the episode 65 or 66 that we talked about that, how to inspire better leadership from your boss, because we talked specifically in that episode about how you can do that with 
in an authentic way that doesn't look like you're trying to gain power or any kind of uh, leverage by mm-hmm. that conversation. But you can encourage your boss as well. Yeah. And there's ways to do that. We did that. We, I think we covered that pretty well in that episode. Well, we probably need to put this into a challenge me at this point. Always, always. So, okay. Resolve to be the change in your company culture. That's going to be the challenge. So here's how we're going to challenge that is consider someone who can use encouragement from you this week. So we don't have to think big. Just think about who could use encouragement this week and simply just do it. And do us a favor and just report back here on our show notes at reinventure.me backslash 74. And just let us know how it goes. We'd love to hear what kind of response you got, how you felt doing it, whatever it might be. We just want to hear what that process looked like and felt like for you. Yeah. So Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed 100, feed one. One. So feed one person with encouragement this week and let us know on reinventure.me slash 74. All the time that we have for this episode. I'm glad you're here to be with us. And uh, we look forward to talking to next week. We're going to talk about optimism and it has powers and it has pitfalls. And until then, this is Larry and Armin saying so long. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. 